Hi guys, welcome back to Psych Mike. Today we're joined with Falak, Feli, and me, Amanda. And today our topic is organizational psychology. So, Feli, Falak, what is organizational psychology? So I guess like org psych, there's a lot of definitions for it. I think for each of us, like everyone has their own definition of it. Like a little bit before the podcast actually started, we talked a little bit about org psych from a change management perspective and like consulting but really it can be a bunch of stuff so if you do search up organizational psychologists you'll find like a lot of different job titles you'll find a lot of different definitions but i think in general it's just trying to empower people in the workplace to perform at their best for me that's what it is like if anyone asks me like what are you doing in org psych it's just helping people in the workplace perform better than they already are from yeah. like a well-being perspective, from a job performance perspective, but pretty much that along those lines. Yeah, amazing. I think um, what kind of pops up a bit in terms of phrase is like competency as well as like confidence. So it's very much so people side of things, but also how do we make things more efficient? How do we work with people, use their strengths, that kind of stuff, right? Um, I think a lot of us who study psychology, at least like all of us are undergrads right now, um, do kind of go into psychology with this very big of mindset of, oh, I'm going to be a psychologist, I'm going to be a therapist. Um, and that's only one tiny portion of what psychology or this degree can really take you. For me personally, I did come in with like a clinical kind of lens. Um, I'm back towards the clinical side now, but I did have a, a part in time where I was very interested in organizational psychology, um, especially just because it's a bit different from clinical in the sense that it's a lot larger perspective that you're taking, an organizational point of view. Mm. Um, and I think one thing that kind of distinguished clinical and organizational, besides obviously the workplace and the environment and everything, um, when I was talking to someone was that, um, when you're in organizational psychology, you're working with people that are more high functioning, whereas with clinical psychology, you're often working with people who are not in a very good place, um, and are kind of going through some things, right? So I think there's a big of a difference between like promoting people to be at their best while, um, clinical might be a bit more of trying to get people out of a bad place, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you hit on like two really big points there. I think for me, the first one is about scale. Like for me, and I think with a lot of people who come into psychology, you look at clinical psychology and it's very targeted to an individual. Like what you're doing is really to help one individual perform better. But in organizational psychology, you're not just doing that over an organization, but then you're trying to put that over like the organization's branches. Perhaps that's even international. It's across different states. It's across different borders. So the scale you're trying to reach is a lot higher. So I think it appeals a lot to people who are trying to build scale, uh, whether that be like through their own business and through like wealth generation and things like that. It just it's more of an opportunity to scale the services that you're providing to a mass majority of people. I think the second thing that you touched on as well was kind of like why you came into it. Like that's a big point is like when you go into clinical psychology, there's someone with a real mental health issue there. And not to say that there isn't a real mental health issue in the workplace, but it's a lot more watered down. You're not Absolutely. there to give a diagnosis. You're not there to prescribe anything. You're really there to optimize. I think that's a big mm. difference is optimizing versus really helping someone who's on the brink. Like that's a very big distinction. Mm. I think that's actually really important too because you go into clinical psychology and you don't realize it, but there's such an emotional burden to that role. And I feel like in IO psych, even though there is like a emotional burden, it's definitely a little bit watered down. Like it's mm. not as emotionally uh, intense. It can be, but I feel like it's not as regular of Absolutely, an emotional investment. Yeah. I think that brings like really good point in the sense that 
clinical versus organization obviously other fields of psychology as well because it's not just those two yeah um but the working environment that you're in is very different the structures that you're going to be working in as an employee will be very different as well mm. um obviously you think about with clinical there's all the medicare stuff they have to work in with the rebate and that kind of stuff there is a certain cap in terms of pay, being paid yeah. <laughs> etc whereas in um io psych so you know um organizational psychology industrial industrial right? yep, yes yep. or industrial psychology <laughs> Um, there is more of a room for kind of growth and like ambition, so to speak. Mm. Um, there's more of a ladder, so to speak, that mm. you can climb. Um, and, you know, it could be depending on where you work as would be the same for clinical psychology, but it could be a bit more cutthroat, that kind mm. of um, more competitive sort of uh, environment. Mm. The competitive environment is like a really big point as well because I think most people who come into psychology broadly they're not looking to like climb a corporate ladder in fact i think most people shy away from that mm. sometimes but it's interesting because if you are the type of person who really likes the corporate lifestyle who thinks like climbing that corporate ladder is something that appeals to you you like dressing up in fancy suits going into the city pulling those long hours <laughs> if that's something that appeals to you i think orgsec <laughs> is something to check out um yeah no but go for it you want to say something yeah because i was just thinking like um there's this kind of misconception I feel like that IO psych is just HR. Yeah. So clear it up, Alec. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, HR is quite different to IO psych. I but I do think there's a lot of overlap. I think at a fundamental level, you're still working with people. I think that's the biggest similarity, and that's like really like the most important thing is at the end of the day you got to remember you're working with people but it's how you're working with those people that's different and i think the biggest differentiator is you're taking a much more scientific approach first and foremost um, if you like read any io psychology textbook or if you like look at people who are doing research into io psych which is a big avenue there's also a lot of research in io psych but you're taking a completely scientific method into the workplace but at the same time, you're trying to make sure that that scientific method isn't slowing you down. So you're trying to do fast, quick business change to make people better, which is what HR is also doing. But you're making sure there's some academic rigor backing what you're doing. So if you're the type of person who uh, feels kind of unsafe making decisions if there isn't some research backing and you still want to work in psychology and you also like scale, those things kind of blend together in organizational psychology in a way that you don't get in HR. Another like really cool thing that we can talk about if you're a bit of a nerd about this stuff, but the bigger difference between I think org psych and HR is you work with a lot more stats, you work with a lot more psychometrics. Um, you actually bring that. I think that's one of the biggest tools that you learn in your psychology studies that actually translates into the workplace because this is an applied field of psychology. You're applying lots of stats, you're applying lots of different models of motivation and behavior of people, and you're applying lots of psychometrics. So I think like if you talk to people in general who've done training in IO psych at the master's level and who've applied it one big thing that they always get taught is psychometrics and stats like those are two of the most valuable tools you have as an io psych you don't have that in hr most of the time yeah definitely um i think one big part of like a diff point of difference between hr and io psych um is that in organizational psychology you can really work as either you know an internal kind of person or as an external consultant mm -hmm. um, whereas that's a bit less so the case in hr even though you know management consultancy is kind of up on the rise um I suppose one big part of organizational psychology, um, as you were mentioning, is that you're still, you know, working with people, but there is also the added element of trying to convey this very 
thoroughly researched field uh, with evidence and research and all of these you know technical terms trying to convey that to a layman because most of the time you're working with people who aren't obviously in the field of in organizational psychology which is why they need you there um, but you are working with people you know, who you know are CEOs or you know VPs of these you know of all these different areas that aren't where you come from and that extra sorry and that added like layer of scientific communication is also something that you know is very different from HR compared to organizational psychology. And I guess another thing is that OrgPsych and HR do work together a lot as well. So mm. there might be you know, instances, too many on the company, again, like you mentioned before, Falak, that the job description of an uh, organizational psychologist can be so different depending yeah. on you know what the company needs, uh, if you're a consultant or internal person, that kind of stuff. Mm. But one of the situations where organizational psychologists and HR you know, managers or whatever mm. uh, might work together is that the psychologist might be the one you know, designing a program to implement change or you know to drive improvement in performance whereas the HR is the person um, who does implement that designed system um, and fits it to the culture of the company and whatnot so these two things can definitely work together these two people can definitely work together Um, and it isn't necessarily you know there's one or the other in the company or anything like that. Mm For sure. I think that's also another thing is a lot of the time HR, you think of typical HR, but also if you look at role descriptions for HR, you're working on a lot more of a micro scale. And I think with organizational psychology, specifically looking at change management type consulting, you're working at a much bigger picture. So oftentimes, I think as an organizational psychologist, when you're hired as a consultant, you're looking to bring change to a group of people. Whereas usually when you're in HR, especially like an entry-level HR job, you're working a lot more one-to-one. You're potentially like looking at employees' payrolls, hiring, um, you know, candidate selection. You're not doing as much of that nitty-gritty grunt work in organizational psychology. You're looking at a much bigger picture, trying to drive change through that. I think another thing as well about like the scientific rigor that you brought up, that's actually another thing as well is why would you want to hire an organizational psychologist as a business? It is that scientific rigor because if you think from a stakeholder's perspective, like let's say you own a business, you could own like a little lemon shop or whatever it is, right? You want to be confident in the choices you make. And a HR person can come and tell you to do X, Y, or Z with your people. But if there's nothing to back that up, you're not as confident. So you're less likely to invest time and money into that. But now if someone who's been trained in organizational psychology has experience working with people, gives you all these fancy stats and all of this stuff, and he, uh, for that little intermission, what we were talking about was kind of why you would want to hire an organizational psychologist. And I think that scientific method is really, that's the main reason is as a business owner, you want confidence in the decisions you're making. And if someone comes to you and says, look, I've done this research, I've been trained in these stats, I know how these people work, uh, X, Y, and Z, you have more confidence in the recommendations they give. And especially at a bigger business scale like when so much money is on the line and when you need to make really just informed decisions you want to hire the experts and that's when you would bring in an org psych rather than just a normal hr person i think that's a big differentiator as well i feel like that's also where um that's also where organizations bring in consultants Hmm. and like from what i've heard they get paid so good (laughs) yeah none of that medicare (laughs) cap or anything like that (laughs) So yeah, well, that's take take that as you will. Look, I'll be honest. Like the pay is a big reason why I like into organizational Yo, psychology. I'm, not gonna yourself. Lie. I'm a bit of a greedy psychologist. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Um, I it's actually a bit interesting for me because I feel like most people, if they do discover org psych, they're first coming into psychology, sort of leaning towards clinical, and then they might figure out org psych is for them. For me, it was actually oh, the opposite. Uh, interestingly, when I was young, I wanted to be a quantum physicist. So like, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> like when I was six. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, genuinely, when I was like that young, I was really into quantum physics. But I was just into how the are science. you? Sorry, how are you into <laughs> quantum physics as a six-year-old? I think I, I just, still don't even know what that is. Honestly, like. I give it to the YouTube algorithm. Like the amount of like videos what? it would pump me, it was crazy. I was like, no. yeah. I'm not even sure what quantum physics is. <laughs> Literally, my man's out here watching TED Talks as like a six-year-old. Meanwhile, I'm watching like fucking Peppa Pig or some shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand Jack, but anyway, and I quickly figured out I'm not good at physics, so I dropped that aspiration quick. As a six-year-old. Yeah, as, as a six-year-old. Six no, I think when I got into, uh, I think around year nine, I was like, no, nah, this is not for me. We out. We out. Um, but I was also always interested in business. So those were kind of my two main interests is science I was interested in. I think that's what really appealed to me about physics. But I also like always saw my parents like operate their own business and grow that business. And so I was always in a business environment and it really appealed to me. It's also much easier than physics. So I'd much rather do business. And then at the end of year 12, when I actually tried a little bit of psychology in high school and I read some books, I really felt like this is something I love and this is something that I could be really interested in. So I came into uni wanting to study business and psychology at the same time. And coming into that environment, exactly. like Winning. Yeah, like <laughs> economics and psychology was kind of the only combo I'd heard of. Like org psych wasn't even on the radar, right? Um, so kind of doing my own little bit of research and just searching up really famous people who are also in the field who we might talk about a bit later. Then I was able to really like find some role models who had blended those two fields together. And that's kind of where I discovered org psych. So I kind of came from the opposite lens of being interested in business than psych. So yeah, I guess like how did it feel like going in from that economics perspective? Yeah, honestly, Falak, I'm a little bit similar to you. Mm. I came into uni mob and I was like, wow, I'm not going to be able to find org psych because like, I'm not even sure if there is an org psych subject, is there? Like, yeah, no. No, there isn't. <laughs> yeah. And the closest thing I could find was maybe like behavioral economics and it was in the economics side. And so like a lot of people, when I first introduced myself, like, oh yeah, I'm double majoring in economics and psychology. They're like, why? No, yeah. yeah, like why? And like a lot of people just assume like, oh, you probably just haven't figured out what career path you want. And I'm right. like, no, I kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> but just that it's just not very easy to find organizational psychology yeah. as like a major or even a minor or a subject even. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this, you know, brings us to a really good point where we're kind of talking about how you guys kind of came onto the pathways where you are at now and the interests that you've kind of fostered. I think it is pretty hard to kind of figure out what fields you're interested in during um, undergrad because like you said there isn't that many you know specialized psychology undergraduate compulsory subjects such as organizational psychology um, I think for me I there's a bunch of things that kind of led me onto being interested in organizational psychology um, I think the biggest one for me was like club roles actually because mm. I was in a role where it's more of like a talent management kind of position right and there's a bit of HR but at the same time I was thinking I really enjoy this kind of work yeah. and if I could somehow tie that into psychology as well that would be amazing and yeah. then it led me down to the organizational route um, and all the stuff that I was doing in that role I'm thinking okay wow what if I was actually like in a bigger large organization with bigger environment and more people higher stakes mm. like I genuinely feel like that could have been something that I would have been interested in um, and so I think that's one, you know, one of the many, many ways that I'm sure we can kind of go into now where you can kind of test around and see if you're interested in organizational psychology. Um, yeah, I guess, do you guys have any insights on? I think you actually hit on like one of the biggest things is that first of all, there aren't opportunities at the undergrad level, even in the honors level, really, but at, definitely at the undergrad level to do any org psych related subjects thing is closest thing you'll get is organizational behavior through economics mm -hmm. but you'll also find that's quite vague it's a lot bigger picture some people take it as a wham booster but <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> but there's nothing in like the org psych targeted realm. I think the closest way you'll get experience is exactly what you did, and that's getting real world experience. And so I think the biggest tip for anyone who wants to figure out what org psych is, and if you happen to be in Australia, you have to go search for real world opportunities. And I think go on LinkedIn, find role models who like are in the Australian workforce in your domestic area, like Melbourne or in the CBD, wherever you're at. Find them. If they've done organizational psychology, look at what they're doing now. Look at the companies that they're working at. See if there's any opportunities at those companies. Maybe send an email, a cold email. But also look at other institutions. So this is a big thing. Like one of the internships I'm doing now is specifically for organizational psychology. It's at this company called PsychPress. And that um, company doesn't even market anything to the University of Melbourne. The University of Melbourne doesn't market its internships. So if you just looked at UniMelb opportunities, you'd never find it. You have to go to the Monash website and you have to do a little bit of searching to actually get that opportunity. So... A lot of the stuff, you have to do a bit of digging. So that's what I'd recommend. Do the digging, find something, and just try it out. See how it feels. Get real-world feedback. Yeah, uh, I didn't do a lot of digging, and it was kind of a coincidence um, from, like, our cocktail night from last semester. Like, one of the organizations, 55.5, hmm. um, it's, not, it's not even, like, consulting. It's market research. Right. And it was just so interesting to me, like, actually seeing it being put all together, like, be seeing my two majors combine and like having a birth child <laughs> but yeah i feel like that it's organizational psychology is just so much more broader than mm. people think it is but yeah. yeah you just need to be able to do some digging yeah absolutely and i think it's good that you did mention subjects though because as limited as it is it does always help to kind of learn a bit of the theory that you would be kind of using um in that realm so i think you mentioned ob so mm. organizational behavior mm. another one that i've come across is uh, positive communities and organizations. So mm. it is a positive psychology subject, which, you know, at first it's been like, what is that? And how does that even relate to organizational psychology? Yeah. Um, but both of those, you know, organizational psychology and positive psychology do aim to kind of optimize people's mm. function. Um, and this one looks at um, well-being specifically in a community, specifically in organizations. So it's a really great subject. Um, if you guys are interested in doing that, you do kind of like evaluate how Unimelb itself promotes well-being. So that's something that's somewhat adjacent um, and could help people who are interested or potentially interested to kind of narrow things down a little bit. Um, I think another thing that you did mention was that, you know, at the cocktail night last yeah. semester, <laughs> run by Mupa, shout out Mupa, <laughs> um, you kind of talk to people and yeah. hear their stories and be like, actually, I can see myself doing a similar career or I want to hear more. Um, amazing timing because uh, we're actually running an industry expo on the 13th and 14th of October. Shameless plug. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but genuinely, I think uh, career events such as these that, you know, Mupa or someone else might hold or even just, you know, going on the Unimail website, find an expert, LinkedIn, um, ask alumni. There's all these amazing resources where you can talk to people who may or may not have a career who you might want sorry, may or may not have a career which you might want to have in the future, sitting down with them, you know, talking about not only just their job description, but how's their lifestyle like? How do they find, you know, meaning in their work? Is that something that you feel like you'll resonate with? These are all things that we can do right now in undergrad to kind of make sure that we spend a bit less time, you know, making decisions that we didn't really want to make. Midlife yeah. crisis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Avoid the midlife crisis, exactly. Um, later on down the track. Yeah. 100%. And to add to that, um, like literally just as Amanda did, going and talking to people at networking nights, that's like a really valuable thing to do to build that connection. But it can be a little bit scary. And so another shameless plug <laughs> is on the 4th of October, we will be having a networking event run by Mupa. 
And so that would be a great event for you guys to come through and be like Amanda <laughs> and actually learn to talk to people Yo. in a way that builds that connection. Wow, we're so good at this, guys. So come by on the 4th of October before the Industry Expo. Get those skills. Get ready to apply those skills and be like Amanda. I'm so interested because I know we have organizational psych um, at our industry expo. So I will learn how to talk to them. Get their LinkedIn. Mm, get connected. 100%. Another thing about LinkedIn as well. So this was actually one way like I found this volunteering opportunity at this place called Ast- Asian Australian Organizational Psychology is I actually just messaged someone who was working at PwC, one of the big four on LinkedIn. And I'd seen that he had studied organizational psychology at Deakin. So I just messaged him and um, I really liked the fact that he was working in such a big company and he'd done exactly what I wanted to do. And he was kind of at like the apex of what I wanted to do. So I thought I could just reach out to him, see if I could you know, learn anything. And I probably reached out to maybe like 20 people and he was one of the people who replied, maybe like a 5% conversion rate there. But the amazing thing was, he's like, yeah, I'd love to meet up with you. Let's get drinks in the city sometime. And so, you know, I randomly pulled up to the city one day and I just met him in a bar and we just talked for like a good two, three hours about just what he does, the work he does and the different opportunities that he'd come across. And I came in there with the mindset of just learning because I was really interested in what he'd done, not to even get anything out of it. I think that's a big misconception about networking is you have to get something out of it. I feel like a real good networking session is you give something back as well. And even if you're just in bachelors and you feel like you can't give something back to the other person, you can give back your interest and your curiosity. And I feel like um, that in and of itself adds a lot of value. And, um, you know, through that discussion, he told me about this place that he was uh, volunteering at, AAOP. And so I searched him up on LinkedIn. And a month later, they had a job opening for research and development uh, as one of their positions. And so I applied. And now I'm helping out there as a volunteering Slay. role yeah, in R&D. And that's actually another big thing that Amanda touched on as well is that market research is a big area of OrgPsych, even though it's like a completely different name. Mm-hmm. You can find a lot of different job roles in things like research and development, which is really broad, but OrgPsych applies really well there, but also in market research. And another big company that you guys can look into as well that's opening a new branch for market research is EY Sweeney. So EY is like one of the big four, but they're also opening up a branch specifically for market research. And they really like psych students there. They like market researchers. So that could be a great thing for you guys to look into as well. Amazing. Um, I think we did touch on a really good point there in that, you know, organizational psychology, market research, there's all these different names, management consultancy even, all these different names for a somewhat overlapping area of psychology, um, which kind of makes it a bit difficult applying for postgrad opportunities, right? Um, I think at UniMelb we have what you would usually expect, so clinical, that kind of stuff, educational psychology um, in terms of masters. But for us, our closest equivalent to organizational psychology is applied psychology, mm. which is where that you know market research kind of comes in a bit more, behavioral science will come in a bit more. Um, but I guess, do you guys know, do you guys know, that's awful. Um, but I guess if you were to study organizational psychology itself as a master's, um, there is a difference between applied, which isn't APAC accredited, um, and degrees that are APAC accredited. Yeah. For sure. That's actually a big difference. And I think that's something that you guys need to decide a little bit beforehand is that do you really want the accreditation as a psychologist? Because that's a big differentiator. If you do want that accreditation and you want to be registered as a psychologist, you want that general practicing ability, then you're very limited in the options you can be trained under. Specifically, the only thing in Victoria that you have to be an organizational psychologist who also has a general registration is to go to Deakin University and do your master's there. But if you do make the decision and you choose, I don't really want to be a psychologist per se, I don't want to be registered, but I still want to apply organizational psychology principles 
hustles. I still want to work in businesses and do market research. Then you actually have quite a few other options open to you. One specific one at the University of Melbourne is the applied psychology pathway that a lot of people do. And even that pathway in and of itself, I'm pretty sure that a part of it is an actual applied internship as well. So that's like a big thing about all of these programs is they will teach you the org psych, but they'll also make sure you do at least one applied internship. And I know a lot of companies like you can look at Deloitte. I think Deloitte's a big one. They work with Deakin University specifically as one of the programs that you can get into through their masters. So I think that's a big differentiator you guys should look into is do you really want that organizational, that psychology registration? If yes, Deakin's the easiest option to look into in Victoria. If no, you have a lot more scope open to you. And I think as well with APAC accreditation, if you don't want that organizational psychology registration as a psychologist, but you want to work in org psych, you could even look into other countries. So the APAC accreditation might not transfer, but you could definitely go abroad to do your masters and you could work in something like market research, R&D and org psych itself, or like some form of consulting without having to be a psychologist. So I think it's making that decision of what do you really want? And then a lot more options can open to you. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess something to really take away from all this is that, you know, there is a difference between accredited and non-accredited, non-accredited pathways. Yeah. Um, definitely just have a Google opportunities where, you know, you get to explore different career pathways or postgraduate pathways are the best to kind of explore while you're in undergrad. So you can kind of tailor your experience in uni, whether it be subjects or clubs or volunteering, that kind of stuff um, to really get a feel for what you might be doing for the rest of your life. Um I think, yeah, just to add on that real quick, uh, two good resources to look into. I think they're the biggest collection of resources you can find under one heading is it's called PSYOP. Um, I think it stands for the Society of Industrial and Organizational Psychology. And so within America, they are sort of like a collection of individuals who work in IO psych and they publish a lot of content around IO psychology, but they also give you a lot of directions on how to work in organizational psychology, how to become an org psych. And they have a branch, I think, called PSYOP A, which is the Australian version. And I'm pretty sure they have a website as well. So you can check that out. Look into PSYOP A. I think one of their members is coming to our event as well, the Industry Expo. So come through and talk in person. That would be great as well. You'd learn a lot more through that, get that face-to-face interaction. But those are great resources to check out um, and just see if this really resonates with you and what ways you can get there. Amazing. I guess for, you know, we're talking a lot about how to get there, but what does it actually look like once we're in the position of an organizational psychologist? Yeah, so it really depends. I'll give one kind of interesting point is if you're working in IO psych, like let's just say you are already an IO psychologist, you can do this little like little brain activity. Um, go on LinkedIn and search up industrial organizational psychologist jobs. And if you make that search, you will find a ton of headings. You will find tech space, you'll find um, R&D, you'll find market research. The reality is your skills are very transferable. So you can actually work in a lot of different areas. And in fact, even in that same role, you could be working on different things every day. So I think that's the biggest thing you'll find is if you talk to current organizational psychologists, they're always working on something different. I think oftentimes now, if you look at uh, org psychs who are working in change management, they're looking at a lot more tech-based solutions. So a lot of the people who I've talked to, they're always looking at tech. So how can we apply psychology to the tech space and then apply that to people? So there's this real mix between technology and psychology and business. And so if that's something that resonates with you, that's something that you'll be working on a lot in org psych. But if you want to know exactly what you're going to be doing as an organizational psychologist, 
that's actually not an answer that's easy to give because you'll be working on something different almost every week, especially if in your consulting environment, demand is always changing, but also your skills are so transferable that you can be put on a variety of different tasks. So when you do talk to consultants, especially in big businesses, they have this agile model of working where basically the company won't just get you as an org psych to just do org psych work. They'll try to put you in different teams based on the project that you've been given. So you're always doing something different. Uh, one cool thing, though, is if you are an org psych and you specifically want to work into organizational psychology, there's a lot of psychometric-based um, applications that you can develop. So one company that I'm interning for now, which you guys can look into, is called PsychPress, and they are one of the biggest specifically organizational psychology-based um, consultancy services. So they're a business consulting service, but they develop tools around psychological concepts like um, different things like dementia, concussion, and like just um, hiring and management of people. And they tailor these solutions through technology and they sell it to businesses and they just work with businesses in that space. So you're always working with something new, but oftentimes you'll be working with technology and you'll be applying that in businesses. Yeah. Yeah, see, like there's one thing that I've heard about consulting actually. Sorry, do it again. I touched the mic, so if you feel oh. it. Okay, so just like one thing that I've heard about consultancy is that. Um, as much it's very exciting because you get a broad mm. range of like different industries that you can touch on. Mm. But there was another thing, um, though this is up for confirmation, is that because you have to write up a lot of proposals mm -hmm. uh, for like how you can make this thing better or how mm. you can have um, better workers, better environment. But it's very rare that it is actually properly implemented. Mm. And that is why some people, some consultants don't find their work as fulfilling as they thought it would be. Yeah. So this is up for confirmation. No, uh, I will confirm it for you. That is very <laughs> true. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's oh, actually no. a strong yes. <laughs> because it's actually a lot cheaper for a consulting business to just give you an idea and then you implement it yourself. So uh, oftentimes when you're looking at big four and what they do, they're not actually doing much implementation. They're doing more ideation. So they're selling ideas rather than like implementing the solution. And that's not just something that's in organizational psychology. That's in consulting across the board. A lot of people do get frustrated that we'll come up with this idea, we'll plan it out, but then we don't actually get to put it in the business and implement it. But what you'll find is in a lot of consulting spaces, there's a very short lifespan as a consultant you'll work for a few years you'll get a lot of exposure selling ideas to a lot of different companies and then you'll generally choose one or be hired by one and then you'll be able to implement that idea specifically in that business so i think that's the trade-off there is that at the start of your consulting career you're going to be working on a lot of ideas and implementing very few if any but then at a certain point once you've gained enough experience and you feel like there's a specific business and area that you want to focus in on, you can be much more likely to get hired, especially if you've been working in a top tier consultancy firm, then you get hired into that business. And once you're in there, then you start implementing things. So initially, yeah, very few uh, implementation, more ideation. But as you progress, as you get more breadth of experience, you can be more independent and choose where you want to apply that experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one key kind of difference between again clinical and working as a clinical psychologist and organizational psychologist is that in organizational psychology you're a lot more you have to be a lot more of an advocate for yourself and watch yeah. out for yourself a little bit more there's this you know need to build up a reputation as an individual build up a clientele base experience all these things that you mentioned um which honestly like for me personally when i first like came across this field it was very exciting for me because i like the idea of mm. having this kind of you know, feel where I'm building something up for myself mm. um, and this reputation and whatnot, um, which, again, there are some similarities, some overlap with clinical psychology, but it doesn't really operate the same way mm. that organisational would because there's a lot more 
of a faster changing kind of environment, which mm. again is a really big point of difference. Um, there is, yeah, so you're constantly going to be working as an organi- organizational psychologist to be adapting to industries and how they're changing. And like you mentioned, there's a focus more on tech now yeah. that might change into AI or something, or maybe already mm. has. Yeah. Um, and you're kind of at the forefront of all these changes happening. Whereas with yeah. clinical and more the healthcare route, it's a lot more slower moving, slower pace. Mm. Um, yeah, and I guess, do you have any insight on that? I actually, I, I guess I have a little bit of insight and then I could even ask you guys for a bit of confirmation more from the clinical side, but... So, for example, um, some of the org psychs who I do work with at, like, my internship, they um, came in and they studied organizational psychology. Some of them did statistics and whatnot. But almost all of them realized pretty early on into their professional career that they had to learn some form of coding or some form of technical, tangible skill that was a little bit more of a a bit more of a hard science that was like valued by the businesses, by the market. And so a lot of org psychs nowadays will be learning technology. They'll be learning AI. They'll be learning just all these different things. They'll be applying chat GPT and all of that like we do in actual business situations. So that's like a really big consideration. And I actually don't think that's something that should scare people away from organizational psychology. If anything, I I think it adds a lot more scale to organizational psychology. I mean, a quick example I can give you is before when uh, people would administer and create psychometric testing, it was very hard to distribute. There were a lot harder costs. It just wasn't a great industry to be in. But now with technology and our ability to mass produce these scales and to um, send them out to different companies across the world and collect data, there's so much more you can do when you combine psychology and tech. And I really think that that's what differentiates organizational psychology from a lot of other um, fields of work. Things like HR and certain elements of consulting can be automated, but when you have that skill to work with people and you can combine it with technology, there's a lot more avenues to continue to add value, even though technology is advancing. And I think that's a big thing. If you do look into the future of organizational psychology, you're actually quite safeguarded at times. I think it would be rare for you to find someone who's very against org psych because they're afraid that AI is going to take over the job market. If anything, in America, the fastest growing field of psychology is organizational psychology. And if you look into the highest salaries in org psych, which tend to be almost uh, upwards of 100,000 USD pretty early on in your career, given you also have higher crime rates and all that other um, dangers associated with living there. But um, a lot of those salaries and a lot of that big money that you can make is because you also have those tech skills or those statistic skills. So that's a big avenue of org psych is you have those hard skills with you. It's a part of your skill set. And um, kind of something you guys can confirm for me, though, is even in clinical psychology, I'm pretty sure like every year or every like certain interval of time, you have to upskill yourself again. You have to get reaccredited and stuff like that. Um, it, I think that's somewhat similar in organizational psychology in the sense that you have to keep up with technology and tech advancements, AI advancements. So I guess in clinical as well, you kind of have to just keep updating your knowledge base. Absolutely. Mm. Um, and again, it's a very base to do. Oh, sorry. Again, it's very based on research, yeah. as both of the fields would be. Um, because other than that, it is psychology. Yeah. We do come from the same kind of base in that we're studying human behavior and the human mind. Um, but, you know, the ongoing professional development is yeah. the case for any single kind of career. Mm. The fact that you did bring up skill set, though, mm. um, again, comparing clinical, organizational, mm. um, is that I guess like with organizational psychology because you're working with clients in a very different capacity that you Mm. do in clinical psychology Mm. um in clinical it's a lot more one-on-one confidential private um it is more of a sensitive you're working with someone in a vulnerable state um or you're trying to you know help them grow or change or learn a certain kind of skill set um in 
organizational psychology, I think one point that did turn me off a little bit was that I thought it would be a lot less personal. It would mm. be a lot more kind of, like you said, the large scale, but only the large scale. Yeah. Um, I did have this conversation. I was very lucky to uh, with this person who has been in the organizational psychology field for a while. Um, and she was kind of going through all of her job description, all the skills that she's using. And what surprised me a lot is that she did use facilitation a lot. So she mm. would present a lot of sessions, a lot of upskilling, mm. um, especially to do with leadership. Yeah. And she'll work and she'll work and sit down with CEOs and VPs who are struggling with, you know, people problems, and not yeah. because of um, systems or anything like that, but because they themselves lacked that experience in confidence and you know working with people and extroversion, all those building relationships, those yeah. kind of things. Um, and so as an organizational psychologist, while you are here to prov- you know, provide solutions in a very kind of systematic way, there are opportunities as well, which was a relief for me to find out, mm. um, for this element of coaching um, and you know developing high performance through targeted uh, sort of feedback with one person. Um, and I guess if that's something that you think you would lose out on by being in this field, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. And just, again, depends on how you craft your role around what you want to do and the strengths and skills that you want to be practicing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's actually 100% really like accurate, on point. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, good. Um, that's really accurate and on point. I think one thing people forget, or at least like we don't think about too often, is if someone gets to the point when they're like a top manager at one of these like big four, or big three companies, they really do have a lot on their plate. And the likelihood is that they haven't, especially if they're, let's say, like from an international background, not a Western culture, they likely haven't engaged with mental health support and services. And so they also have a lot of issues with the, let's say, Western culture. They've come from this Eastern culture. It's a lot more cutthroat. They're really fighting other people to keep their job environment. It's very competitive and can be toxic at times. And we forget that. So there's a lot of mental health issues going on on an individual level, even in organizations. And as an org psych, you have the ability to work one-on-one with those people and really improve their performance. So you don't actually miss out on those opportunities to be a one-on-one psychologist clinical setting. You still have that. It might be a little bit less frequent, but it's definitely there. And if you're someone that really likes working to optimize performance, uh, even if like neuroscience is a little bit of an interest of yours, a lot of um, really just successful people, they would be more than willing to pay for not just your ability to teach them resilience and mental health and leadership skills, but also to apply neuroscience. So for example, a lot of companies will hire what's called external consultants. So these are experts from neuroscience. These are experts from behavioral economics, people with like very tangible, like even from biology skill sets to develop um, tools, uh, like even neuroscience tools or things like that, pharmaceutical tools to optimize performance for their people in organizations. So in terms of just healthcare more broadly, there's a lot of applicability to individuals in organizations. So exactly what you were saying. But one thing I will say, though, is just about the research perspective. So if you're someone who's really interested in psychology from a research side, one thing you'll find is when you start working in org psych is research is valued, but it's valued at a faster pace. So what that means is if you're think of yourself as a business owner, it's cool that there's research there and it's statistically valid and this and that and you've done this and p-value that p-value whatever but honestly they don't care they just want to know is there a reference to what you're saying oh there's a reference they won't check it but let's implement it just because it's there so oftentimes you'll just throw a reference slide at the end of your presentation send it through and if it like sounds good then boom that idea will be implemented and that annoys you as someone who's a researcher that is something you will have to deal with a little bit 
There's kind of this saying that comes from Facebook, but it's about moving fast and breaking things. And so when you're in a business, you're trying to innovate on ideas. So you have to take risks. And oftentimes that means putting research on a bit of a back burner. So if you're the type of person who really needs empirical data and all of that, then sometimes you could be a little bit frustrated in the role. But there's also a lot of value that you can add from that research space. So, yeah. And again, like as just a bit of a disclaimer, I suppose, um, every the work environment that you do end up being in is largely like in your control, who you choose to work with, the people that you surround yourself with, your support system, the people that you choose to be employed with, the reputation that you build for yourself. Um, and obviously we're kind of speaking from our perspective as undergraduates who haven't you know, gone into this field yet, um, but have done our research and have seen like the things that have helped us make decisions. Um, but yeah, everything is within your control and there is room for tailoring, room for changing. A lot of the generalizations that we speak on like today might not be the case if you do end up going down this path. Um, but I think it does help a lot for us to kind of understand generally and have a feel for what kind of lifestyle you'll be living, what kind of work you'll be doing, what kind of meaning you'll be finding in your work. Um, should we go down this path in organizational psychology? And I think it's good just to know because I personally am, have moved back to clinical psychology, I won't lie. Um, but I think it was worth the time to explore what else I could be interested in. Like, who knows, there might be a career change down the track. Um, or just knowing that, like, oh, these are skills that I feel like I actually do want to be able to practice, be it in a different field, but you understand yourself more by exploring these career options and talking to all these people mm. um, at, you know, certain career events that, you know, Mupa is holding in the next month on the 4th. 4th? 4th. On the 4th, 13th and 14th of October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joking, but not really. Um, please come. No, genuinely come. It'll add a lot of value, in all honesty. <laughs> Um, I remember the first event I ever went to for Mupa was the Industry Expo. Oh my and God. Yes, no, seriously, it was actually an amazing event. Like, I got a lot of value from it. I think the most value I got was definitely from the last um, cocktail night as well. That was genuinely a huge value add. Like, you might not think it is, but it genuinely is. Um, even if you don't get a job offer from it, you'll hear about things. Mm. So I heard about an offer from just uh, someone who I was already working with. I just happened to talk to them a little bit more on the night. And I heard that they had worked at X place before, PsychPress, and that put that place in my mind. I did a bit of search like a month later. I found it. So mm. it might not be an immediate effect, but it could be an effect later on, and that could change like everything for you. So it's very valuable. Absolutely. Um, and I guess with that, we'll wrap up our episode today. Um, again, if you guys are interested in organizational psychology or anything else, do have a check out our socials, keep updated on our events and whatnot. Um, but generally I think just go for it really. Like the more chances you create for yourself, the more likely it'll hit something. Well, I'm, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but <laughs> you know what I mean? The more likely it will lead somewhere good for you. Um, the biggest conclusion is that come to our industry expo. <laughs> And find out for yourself. <laughs> 100%. Thank you to Fully and Falak for today's episode. Thank you, And guys. we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. <laughs>